Good. This is Pastor Eric with you. It's Friday morning at 9 a.m., which means it's time for another one of our Friday morning devotions. And of course, as of late, if you've been paying attention, you know that we haven't necessarily been doing devotional material as much as we've been doing uh, really apologetic material. I mean, that's that's really, if, if we want to categorize it, that's really what I've been focusing on by addressing a number of objections that people have to the Christian faith that uh, might cause people to stumble over some of the claims of the Christian faith. And so we've decided to take this process slowly by examining um, whether it's rational to have faith at all. We began sort of our time with objections that way. Isn't it irrational to have faith? And since it's not always based on uh, pure scientific objective uh, reality that is in front of us. Uh, we talked about whether it's rational to believe in the possibility of miracles. We talked about whether it's rational to uh, trust historical claims and how we can verify what historical claims are true from false. We talked about whether it's rational to believe in the existence of God. Uh, we tried to deal as best as anyone can deal with the problem of evil because I think that is the most uh, significant, at least certainly experiential, objection that people have. And then last week, we talked about whether the Bible is trustworthy and the reasons that we can uh, look to it and and believe its claims to be true. And that really filters into our last session today going over the various objections to the Christian faith. And that is, how how is it that a Christian can be so narrow-minded as to claim that Jesus is the only way. How on earth can we say that? And so now we're finally, after six sessions, we certainly alluded to them, but we're today making the case for Jesus specifically and faith in him. That is what we're beginning to do today. There's lots and lots and lots and lots that could be said about why it's rational and reasonable to see Jesus as the manifestation of God. Uh, but we're at least going to begin the process of tackling some of those things today. And in this particular question that I'm going over with uh, this uh, this morning is, of course, very relevant to our time because I I think in our particular um, our particular space in history in the Western world, there are a few things more objectionable and more scandalous than claiming that Jesus is the only way in the face of having so many different worldviews and so many different religions out there, it does seem to some quite crazy to simply say that that is the case. And so what I want to do is I want to run through at least the logic of this position for you so that in conversations that you might have with somebody, you can at least explain the logic of why we get there. Why is it that we would make this claim? Well, first of all, we make this claim because we believe Jesus is God. This is what Christians believe. Now, why do we believe that Jesus is God? Because the Bible has him claiming in numerous places to be God. Just to name a few in the Gospels, in which last week we talked about why the Gospels are trustworthy as history and, and accurate uh, writings. Just in those writings, John 6.35, John 8.12, John 10.7, John 10.11, John 11.25, John 15.1, and quite literally in a passage that literally says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, Jesus claims to be divine. 
In each of those passages, he is giving himself a divine name of God. Now, of course, to go along with that, you have also the claims of the apostles written down for us in places like Philippians chapter 2, which says that he was uh, in the very form of God. Or you could go to Colossians chapter 1, where it says he is the image of the invisible God, or Colossians 2 verse 9. It says, for in Christ, the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily. And so, right off the bat, this claim differentiates Christianity from just about every other, at least seriously taken religion in the world. In other religions, there is someone claiming to be a prophet or maybe an enlightened person, one that is pointing to ultimate spirituality. But, uh, but in Christianity, Jesus and the writers of the New Testament point directly to him. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've heard me, you've heard the Father. Whatever I do, it is exactly as the Father would do, speaking of God. These claims were so abundant, in fact, that even the earliest heresies of the Christian church, frankly, always affirmed that Jesus was divine. The problem with them is they denied that he was really human. Now, why is that important? Because because it was clear, even at this very early time, from the writings of Scripture to them, to the earliest Christians, that one thing you could not get away from was the claim that Jesus was divine. So, it's abundantly clear the Bible teaches that Jesus is God, but that, that still doesn't establish that he is the only way. And that means we have to dig a little deeper. It leads to my next point. Sorry, I needed a little fuel. And that is that Jesus said he is the only way. Emphasis on the only. If you listen again to some of the words he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's about as clear and as exclusive as it gets. Jesus claims to be God and therefore claims that faith in him is the only possible way to be made right with God. The apostles reiterate that claim in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, where they say there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So, what we have thus far, the logic for Christians saying that Jesus is the only way is, number one, based on the idea that the Bible reports true sayings of Jesus. Again, you have to reference last week's devotion in order to hear me make the case for that. Number two, that in this Bible, Jesus claims to be God, which means that he has knowledge of, he has all knowledge of the universe that he's made. And number three, as God, Jesus claims faith in him is the only way for people to be saved or in right relationship with the God of the universe. Now, for some of you out there, there might be alarm bells going off in your head. You might be thinking that that is indeed too exclusive. But keep in mind that every religion Every philosophy, every political view about life, every system makes exclusive claims as well. Judaism, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, and every other ism claims a different idea about ultimately re reality that they insist is really true at the expense of other worldviews because they hold certain things that contradict other worldviews and yet they insist that their view is in fact true. Now, you might say, well, no religion or philosophy can have the truth. Rather, all of them have some of the truth. 
It's like the old blind man and the or the blind men and the elephant illustration. A few blind men come upon an elephant and each one grabs a different part of the elephant proclaiming something different about the creature. So one blind man grabs the trunk and says this animal must be a snake. And another grabs a leg and says this is like a tree. It's big and thick like a tree trunk and so on. Of course the the problem with that view is that it assumes that you have the sight to be able to tell us all what's really true about the elephant. How could you possibly know that no religion can see the whole truth unless you yourself have the superior comprehensive knowledge of spirituality? You just claim that none of the religions or in fact nobody else could have. In other words, it's a self-defeating illustration. But still, just because Jesus made claims of being divine and therefore the true way, what reasons are we actually given for believing his claims hold weight? Well, that leads to the third point, and that is that Jesus validated his claims to being the only way through various signs and miracles. Now, of course, there was the signs of his teaching. Numerous places throughout the Gospels were told that the people marveled at his word. They were astonished at his word. As much as the Pharisees and the others sought to trap him, they never could. He would outsmart them all the time. One listens to his word, and, and at first it seems so unnatural, even scandalously contrary to us, you know, things like blessed are the poor in spirit, the blessed are the mourners, the meek, blessed are the losers, and those who pick up their cross will be blessed. I mean, it all seems so contrary. But then we consider that in our lives, as we actually experience them, as we actually live them out, even if we don't wish it to be this way, it is truly only those who can admit their need for help that can get well. That's the whole reason that programs like Alcoholics Anonymous and other programs model off of that have been so successful. The prerequisite for entry is indeed admitting that you're poor and weak and unable to fix yourself. Or consider his parables. There are no stories throughout human history that touch the human experience quite like the parables of the Good Samaritan or, of course, the Prodigal Son. We could go into detail about those, but I won't for the sake of time. And so we do see the words power in Jesus's ministry. Jesus speaks and things happen. Storms stop. People hear him and go away new. He predicts certain things to come to pass, like the destruction of the Jewish temple some 37 years after his, uh, his ministry. And all those things, they, they come to pass. There's also, of course, the sign of his works. And what I mean here is a couple of things. Number one, of course, we can talk about his miracles. If Jesus was known for anything, it was his ability to do supernatural stuff. To vindicate his teachings, Jesus heals the sick and he resuscitates the dead and he feeds multitudes and he gives the blind sight and he walks on water and I can go on and on. But there's another aspect and that is the perfection of his works. In one part in Matthew's gospel, Jesus says that he came to fulfill God's law. In other words, he came to live perfectly. When his interlocutors question him, and I love that word, interlocutor. He says things like, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? He constantly challenges them, saying, prove that I've ever done anything wrong. Just bring one thing up. Indeed, when he's condemned, the ancient rabbinical writings tell us that the reason he was condemned is because of blasphemy and sorcery. 
blasphemy, because indeed he claimed to be God in the flesh, and sorcery, because he was doing miracles. They just denied that he was doing miracles by the power of God. They assumed that it was by the power of the devil. The fact is, if Jesus had sinned even one time in thought, word, or deed, he would not qualify to be our Savior. But thanks be to God, we read in the book of Hebrews, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. 1 Peter 2 confirms this saying, simply he committed no sin. And then, of course, there's the most significant of all of his miracles, and that is his death and resurrection. The reality is, if it is true that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world and he actually did rise from the dead, then at the very minimum, we're forced to take very seriously the claims that he makes. And I would say, indeed, logically, it makes all the sense in the world for us to believe. In fact, I think we're kind of compelled to believe it. He's the only one to atone for the sins of mankind, and he's the only one to come back from death. And finally, there is his ongoing impact throughout history. I'm not telling any tales out of school to mention that, but you all know this. Our calendars are built around the ministry and life of Christ. I mean, that, that is the reality. But of course, beyond that sort of macro way of evaluating Jesus' impact, there is the continual individual impact he makes on people's lives. A while back, I was at a, a conference and I heard somebody who was so, so averse to becoming a Christian, just found all of Christianity to be, frankly, embarrassing. She's, oh, she's an elite journalist and she's, you know, quite well respected in, you know, the various strands of intelligentsia that, um, you know, that definitely fill New York City. And yet, she described how she found herself in a crisis time one time praying out of the blue and asking for help. And as she began to dig in and do her research, she found that the only one who could actually offer that help and had good reason to believe that he was still there to help was Jesus. So that impact continues today, and I've seen it not only in my life, but in the lives of so many hundreds of people throughout my ministry. And so maybe for some of you, maybe being reminded of this is a helpful thing. That you're not just believing in something like the tooth fairy here. You're not just believing in something you wish to be true. You're believing in someone that is in fact true. We know he lived. We have very, very good reason to believe the claims made about him in the scriptures are true. And so that's what we hinge our faith on, knowing that he is able to help, knowing that he is able to do far more than that, to save. Because if you have Jesus, you have forgiveness. And if you have forgiveness, you have hope. And if you have hope, you have eternal life. And you are on the way home. All right, gang, that's my case. We could, like I say, we could go a lot, 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 much, much further. But that's the beginning of the logic for why we insist that Jesus is the only way. I hope that's at least to some degree helpful for you. 
Uh, next week, we'll get back to just digging into probably some psalms and uh, doing some worship together. Not me singing. Don't worry. I don't want to draw all you away. I don't want to push you away. But just worshiping as we meditate on the words of Scripture again. But hope the series has been helpful for you and God's richest blessings as you go into your weekend. See ya.